Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Look now, if you would, in the book of Job, chapter 2. I want to bring this message, How to Be a Godly Friend. How to Be a Godly Friend. And it's an odd place, I admit, to look for instructions on how to be a godly friend. But as I was reading the book of Job this time, I mentioned this a week or so ago in church about the chronological reading. As I was going back and reading the book of Job, I had a new insight. God gave me a fresh look at these friends of Job and the conversations that took place between Job and his three friends. And so I want you to see a part of what God had showed me. And I think there's certainly lessons of friendship, lessons of friendship in this passage in how we can be a godly friend uh, to others. And so read with me if you would in verse 11, and we're going to read down to verse 13. In fact, let's back up uh, in verse 11. Now, when three friends heard of this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with and to comfort him, Job. Now, before you go on from reading there, understand, and I hope that you do understand, the story of Job. Bible says that Job was one of the most righteous people, or there is none like him, a righteous man in all the earth. And Job, the devil, comes before God's presence, and God says to Job, have you considered my servant Job? And of course, Satan challenges God's assertion that Job was a righteous man. And God allows Job or, to be touched by Satan and to be plagued by Satan to the point where Job lost everything. He lost his possessions. He lost his family. The only thing that was left to him really was his wife. And his wife said, curse God and die because Job also lost his health. After Job lost everything, he still praised God. And then the devil said, well, let me touch his life. And he said, you can touch his health. You can touch his life. You can't take his life is what God told Job. God's in control. And certainly Job was plagued. And the devil tried his best to get Job to turn his back on God. And Job's response was, naked came I into this world. And naked I'm going to go out. Praise the name of the Lord. And of course, his wife says, curse God and die. And Job refused to do so. But Job uh, rent his clothes and sat down in mourning in a pile of ashes, as was the tradition of the dead. That's how they would mourn. But then here comes these three friends. And I used to call them his so-called friends. But I've realized now that there's a lot more friendship there. And I saw some things that I want you to see and some lessons for us in how to be a godly friend. So let's keep on reading. Verse 12, 
And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. And so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. God, help us as we read your word. Help us to understand your word. Help us have a fresh take, Father, a fresh word from you. Father, not to infer what is not there, but God, for you to show us some examples and some steps of a godly friend. Father, help us to be godly friends to the people that we cross paths with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to see number one. Now, again, I know this seems to be an odd spot, but I want you to look and see that sometimes we need to read the Word of God and look again and see what God will show us. I've talked about having a different perspective, and, and, and sometimes I read things in the Word of God, and I've read through the Bible several times. I admitted a week or so ago that there's some places I get to, and I begin to skim a little bit. But this time I ask God to help me dive into the, to these conversations and help me to get the most out of them that I can get. And so I slowed down enough to read them, and I saw some very interesting things. But one of the things that I had never seen or never noticed, I should say, was the fact of how long they sat with him and how much time they spent with him. You know, there's things in the Word of God that we oftentimes miss and we have to go back and see again. For example, uh, reading now in the book of Genesis and about Abraham and about Sarah, and the Lord comes and tells Abraham and tells Sarah that they're going to have a child, a boy, a son. And the question always comes, well, who laughed? When God said, when the Lord said to Abraham and to Sarah, you're going to have a son in your old age. Who laughed? And of course, if you know the story, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's it. That's easy enough. Sarah laughed, and then she denied laughing, and God, the Lord said, no, you did laugh, but nothing is impossible with the Lord. But if you go back and you read it again, you find out that it wasn't just Sarah laughing. It was also Abraham that laughed. In fact, it was in the previous chapter when God first tells Abraham, it says in chapter 17, verse 17 of Genesis, go look there and see for yourself, that Abraham, when God said, you're going to have a son in your old age, he fell down on his face and laughed. And so my point is just this, go back and read the Word of God, dive into the Word of God and see what God might show you. There are things that, that God will speak to you and show you from different angles, different light, different ways. It's not that the truth is changing, it's just simply the fact that you're seeing new things or God is showing you new things for that time in your life. So, going back to the book of Job and the time that we have left, because we're already halfway through our time, I want you to see that number one, to be a good and godly friend, number one, just be willing to be there. Just be willing to be there for them. We have friends, and we don't know what our friends are going through. They knew what Job was going through. At least they knew from the outside what he was going through. They saw his mourning. It says they couldn't even recognize him when they saw him. 
because of the sickness and the, the, the boils that were on him. And he had shaved his head and he was scraping his skin. And they didn't even recognize him because of the, the, uh, the weathered or the ill shape that he was in. But these friends, listen, my point is this. There's times that we can clearly see that we have friends that are suffering, that a person is suffering, someone in church is suffering, a family uh, member is suffering, a neighbor, a co-worker is suffering, and there's times that we have no idea. Either way, the best thing that we can do to be a good and godly friend is just to be there. And that's one of the first things I saw which caused me to want to use this and for God to speak to me through this is his three friends, Job's three friends, were willing to be there. Notice that they came from a great distance. Now, we don't necessarily see that until you, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into how far they came and how many days travel and where these places were in relation, but just suffice it to say, they came from a great distance. They didn't have transit. We went to New York this past Christmas, and in New York City, Manhattan is a large place. Uh, we went up as far as 119th Street, uh, all the way from uh, the Staten Island Ferry. So the southern end, all the way to the past the north end of, uh, of Central Park. It's a long way. We hopped on a transit train, and we were there in a moment of minutes. In a, in a matter of minutes. But in Bible times, they didn't have cars. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. They may have had camel. They may have had a donkey or a horse. But even that, it was a great distance. They sacrificed. They sacrificed in their time. They sacrificed also in their resources of traveling there. Also, and again, I understand they didn't have jobs with hours like we do now today, but still they had to take time off, paid leave off, or maybe non-paid leave off from their job or from, from their occupation or from whatever they were doing to go and spend time with Job. It was coming from a great distance. I want you to see the second part of be willing to be there. We need to be willing to go to where people are at. That's the point I'm trying to get is we often want to get people to come to church. You come where we are. Listen, if I can get somebody, invite somebody to come to church, I want to invite them to come to church. If I can get them to watch the live stream, I want to get them to watch the live stream. If I can get them to watch my devotional or read my devotional posts that I put out there or, or Bible verses that I might send out there, I want to get them to do that. But I also want to be willing to go Go where they are. That's what a friend does. Goes where they are. No matter the distance. If you have someone that you love and care about, a wife, a, a parent, a, a sibling, a, a child, if you, listen, you don't care how far it is when they're in distress, you will go to where they're at because you love them. But can I just remind you of this? We are to love our neighbor. We're to love everybody. Oh, what price would we, should we be willing to pay to be a good and godly friend to somebody? What amount of time should we be willing? We often go and we spend five minutes and we think we've done something. We just drop in. Sometimes even I will think if I just drop in for a few minutes and make an appearance. I've really done something. No, these folks came from a great distance away. They also showed great empathy. 
You say, well, wait a minute. I read this, and there are several chapters that I'm just giving Job a hard time, and that's true. But they sat there, and they had great empathy. When they saw Job, it says they didn't recognize him. And then they, verse 12, it said that they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent their clothes and sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. They sympathized and they empathized with what Job was going through. They had heard about Job and about the great evil that had overcome him and, 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 and that was come upon him. They didn't know all the details. They know that he had lost so much property, possessions, children, Seven children. And yet here they are empathizing, sympathizing. But also understand this. Notice as they empathize and they sympathize, they says they, verse 13, they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. Here's the thing, and they're empathizing. They also, they invest, they came from a great distance, but they invested a lot of time. And I'm going to get to that in just one second, but before I even get there, I want you to understand as they visited him, you know, we go sometimes, or I'll go sometimes, or you might go sometimes to somebody's house, or maybe to a hospital, or maybe even to a funeral home, or, where, or to hospice, or wherever it might be. But we go, and there's air conditioning, or there's heat, and there's roofs, and there's windows. And I'm not saying that's not a wonderful thing to do to go and be there for somebody like that. You should, but understand the empathy. They went and they weren't going to some lavish house. They weren't sitting in some lavish uh, cushioned seat. They weren't going and, and sitting in, in some kind of lavish comfort. They joined him on the ash heap that was his life. Meaning they, 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 they would rent their clothes and they would, they, they would pour ashes. They would burn things and they take the ashes and cover themselves and then just sit there in the ashes on the ground. That's what they were doing. These friends were showing great, they came from a great distance. They were showing great empathy and they invested a lot of time. It wasn't a five-minute visit. It wasn't a 15-minute visit. It wasn't a 30-minute or an hour-long visit. It wasn't even a, just an afternoon visit. It was seven days and seven nights. Are you a friend like that? that will go and for seven days and seven nights just sit in the ashes on the ash heap with your clothes rent and you just in filth and not say a word. Just be there. Just be there. Can I just say this? People ask me all the time, I don't know, to do, I don't go visit the hospital or I don't go visit people in their homes or I don't go visit, you know, the, even the nursing home or when someone's lost a loved one, I don't go because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Neither do I. And most times there's very little that we can do except one of the best things that you can be a good and godly friend is just be there. The best way to support someone who is hurting is just be there. Oh, what a joy it is to know that I have friends that will come and just be there for me. 
Friends that I know that would, listen, I've got friends that I know that if they knew something was wrong, they would put aside whatever they were doing. They would come whatever distance they had to come, and they would be with me as long as they could or as long as I needed them to be there. That's the kind of friends that I want in my life, and I'm glad for some of friends like that, and I hope that I'm a friend like that to you, and I pray that you'd be a friend like that to somebody, that you'd be willing to be there. Moving on very quickly, as we don't have a lot of time left, be ready to listen. When you're there, be ready to listen. Learn to just listen. And by the way, you don't have to say a thing. In the listening, you don't have to say anything. Now, nobody said anything for seven days here. That shows the time, that shows the investment, that shows the empathy, but it shows they were ready to listen. They saw that his suffering was great. Again, we don't always know somebody's suffering, but just be there and be willing and ready to listen. They listened to his complaint. When you read in chapter uh, chapter 3, after seven days, Job opens up his mouth and he cursed his day and he complained and he complained about his situation, complained about why he didn't understand what was happening to him and how he had, was living as best he could, living as godly he could, and they listened to him. There's many times that we listen, people, but we're listening. And this is the problem with today. People aren't really listening. Oh, you may be silent, but you're only listening because you're, in other words, to get your thoughts together so that you can tell people what you want to tell them. Oh, listen, there's times that our friends are hurting, and they don't need us to do that. They need us to be there and just to listen. One of my great problems, and this is a problem that I guess all men have, or many men have, is when my wife or my children will talk to me, sometimes I instantly go into fix-it mode. I want to do something to fix it, to make it better if I can. And there's times that we don't need to worry about trying to figure out how to give advice or how to fix it or how to solve their problem. We just need to listen. That's how to be a good and godly friend. Don't just listen so we can then get our words in and our response and our two cents. Learn to listen just to listen. If I could say the problem these three friends had is they didn't do that. They listened, but then it became where they were listening just so they could give their opinion. And that's where, they, that's where they erred. That's where they were flawed in their friendship. And we need to be careful. In fact, God tells them, you, you messed up. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm angry at you. But at least initially, at least their intention was to be there. And to listen. At the same time, will I say that there was a mistake where they begin to give their opinion, their two cents. They begin to judge Job and, and to, to gang up on him a little bit and, and, and to beat up on him a little bit. And, and I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But I also want to say that there are times 
And if we're going to be a good and godly friend, we've got to be there. We've got to listen, but we also have to be willing to be open and tell the truth. You see, people in this world think, well, you're a good friend if you just, you know, go along with me. Tell me what I want to hear. Be a yes man. We need to be more than a go along to get along. We need to be more. If we're going to be a good and godly Christian friend, we need to do more than just go along to keep the peace. You see, they thought that God was judging Job because Job had done wrong. They were mistaken, but that's what they thought. But my point is this. Sometimes we as Christians, don't speak up because well, I just want to get along. Now, listen, understand there is a time and a place. There's a time and a place. And I'm going to come to that in a minute, but before I get to that, there's times that we need to not just be yes people, not just be people that say, well, I'm going to tell them what he wants to hear. We need to tell them the truth and be open and be honest and be willing and to stand on the Word of God, to stand on truth, to stand up and say, well, wait just a minute, friend. You say, well, that doesn't sound like such a good and godly friend. Well, we've got to be willing and being open to tell the truth. We've got to follow the leader. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit. We've got to be willing to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. And the Holy Spirit will guide us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, even in speaking the truth. But we cannot withhold the truth. Again, you've heard me tell this time and time again, but if your house is burning down and you're sleeping in your bed and I don't run in and scream and shake you and say, wake up, your house is on fire. Get out, get out. If I say, well, I don't want to wake them from their sleep. If I say, I don't want to startle them. I don't want to bother them and I let you burn and perish, how much do I really love you? Oh, we've got to be willing to speak up and stand on the truth and the Word of God, but follow the leader, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what these men largely did not do. They leaned to their own understanding. They leaned to their own perspective. They leaned to their own traditions and what they believed about God and God judging sin. And so therefore, Job had to be wicked because God was just and couldn't stand wickedness. That's true, but they weren't weren't understanding that they weren't seeing that Job, it wasn't because of his sin that God was allowing him to go through this trial. But we've got to follow the leader. Their mistake was they spoke too soon. They should have followed the Holy Spirit's leading. Their mistake was they piled on. The Holy Spirit will lead us in the timing and the way of speaking the truth in love. And the mistake was they leaned on their own understanding. They view things for, through the perspective of their own sight. When we are telling the truth, we have to do so from the perspective of the Word of God. If you look in your Bible in the New Testament, it says, Judge not, lest she be judged. For with the manner that you judge, that's the manner that you're going to be judged. And then it goes on to say, Remove the splinter from, or the two-by-four from your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. But also it says... That God looks on the heart. These people were look. These friends were 
in their humanity, we're looking on the outside. And if we're going to be good and godly friends, we've got to dig in and let the Holy Spirit lead. And we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to give us discernment so that we see the heart. And again, that's where the more listening comes in and less talking comes in, but also the prayer and the conferring. We didn't see here these friends praying at all with Job until the very end. But we need people that are willing to stand up. We need, the Bible talks about iron, sharpening iron, and we need to be willing to be the iron sharpener. We need to be the one that listens and says, I want to help you be stronger. I want to help you be sharper. I want to help you grow as a Christian. And so therefore, I'm going to take a stand, and I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit's lead, and I'm going to tell the truth. Number four thing, very quickly, be, be prepared to say you're sorry. Look over with me, if you would, in Job 42. Job 42. Look over there with me, if you would, just for a moment. And I want you to see that at the end, after all the conversations, and after Job and his three friends discussed so very much, and they ganged up on him, and they, and they beat up on him to a certain extent, and then finally God answers, and he so certainly straightens out Job and explains things to Job and to his three friends. But then also in Job 42, we see this, and that's a fact where Job, God says, verse 7 of, of chapter 42, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right. In other words, they had some things that were wrong. Now, it wasn't that they were trying to take a stand wasn't wrong. It wasn't that they weren't trying to be honest wasn't the wrong part. They just were wrong in their view of God and what God was doing. And you could also say they were wrong in their... Timing and approach, perhaps. But you've not spoken to me the thing that is right, as my ser servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. In other words, repent. Go to Job and say you're sorry, and then let Job come to me on your behalf and pray. Uh, Job, and then, uh, go back to verse 8 again. And offer up yourself the burnt offering of my servant Job, which I'll pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that ye have not spoken to me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. In other words, saying, hey, listen, you need to say you're sorry to me, and you need to say you're sorry to Job. Learn that when we're wrong, if you're going to be a good and godly friend, you are going to be there for them. If you're a good and godly friend, you're going to listen to them. If you're a good and godly friend, you're going to be open and tell the truth as led by the Holy Spirit and under the guidance of the Word of God. But if you're going to be a good and godly friend, you've got to learn that you say you're sorry as well when you're wrong. Learn to say you're sorry. Learn to repent of your error. Learn to say you're sorry, first of all, to God, but also to those that you have wronged. And sometimes that is our friends. Again, they had a wrong view of God, and they had a wrong view of Job's circumstances. And God said, repent. But then if you're a good and godly friend, you'll set the example of obedience, because that's exactly what they did. Verse 9, Eliphaz and Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Nemethite went and did according to the Lord as the Lord had commanded them. And the Lord also accepted Job 
I want you to see they were obedient. They listened to God. They submitted to Job. They repented of their error. And if we're going to be good and godly friends, we can't always be right. That's one of my problems I have sometimes. I think I have to always be right. And I have to be willing to say, you know what? I was wrong. And here's the last thing, and I'm done. I looked at the three friends in large part, but I want you to look at Job now and be willing to forgive. If you're going to be a good and godly friend, when your friends wrong you or when somebody wrongs you, you are ready to forgive. Despite the circumstances, despite, because he, his circumstances was, he was still broken. God had spoken to him, but he still had lost everything. But it says in verse 7, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends and the Lord gave. In other words, he prayed for his friends, showing his forgiveness of his friends. Job went to God on their behalf. He forgave. You don't go to God on somebody else's behalf unless you've forgiven them. And he did, despite the fact that he was still a broken man at that point. He was still a sick man at that point with boils. You know, despite the fact that he had been attacked by these three friends. When you go back and read that, they were vicious in some of the words. He forgave. Think of the attacks that we put upon Jesus Christ and God Almighty, but yet he forgave. Oh, that we would forgive as God has forgiven us. And of course, God blessed Job and restored all that he had, but that's not the point of my story. I simply want you to say that God is good, but I want you to see that God can lead you to be good to somebody, be a friend, a godly friend, a good and godly friend by being there. Just be willing to be there. Invest time, invest effort, invest emotions. Be ready to listen, quick to listen and slow to speak. At the same time, in patience and wisdom and love, speak the truth at the right time, following the, lead, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The God, the, 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 his Spirit will lead you. And tell the truth and sharpen iron. And when you're wrong, ask forgiveness. And when you've been wronged, forgive others. That's how we can learn the lessons of friendship from Job. That's how we can learn to be a godly friend. Oh, won't you be a godly friend to somebody? You don't know what they're going through, but I promise you they're going through something. Won't you be a friend to somebody in need? today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help me to be a better friend, to be there, to listen, to learn that I don't always have to talk. To follow the leader and be willing to speak the truth in love and grace and patience.
And God, when I've done somebody wrong, when I've been wrong, to admit that I'm wrong and repent. But God, also help me learn to forgive. Help us all, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us tonight, to join with us tonight. Thank you for taking the time to dive into the Word of God. Until next time, remember that I love you. More importantly, God loves you. Turn your eyes upon Him. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.